So we're going to learn a little bit more great Jewish faith today. Um, we're going to quote something from Rav Dessler. And Rav Dessler says that the study of Torah itself bolsters our emunah. Why do you think that the study of Torah itself is so important to strengthen our emunah? So Rav Dessler says that because when you learn Torah and you learn it properly and you have a clarity in it, you recognize and it becomes evident that the Torah is from Hashem. I don't know if you get that feeling uh, with any other study. Sometimes I think you might, you know, if you study like the, the genius of math or maybe a uh, chemistry, biology, and you see how you have the right hashkafa, and you're seeing it through the creator's eyes and how brilliant somebody, uh, uh, a a being must be in order to have such wisdom to put into every cell and every uh, organ and every every part of the human body and even a a fly. So if you have that hashkafa, I I imagine you would get uh, a lot of amuna from from studying anything, but in particular, studying Torah is a great vehicle to really strengthening our amuna. And there's stories of great gedolim like the Chavetz Chaim, Rebbe Chan Wasserman, Rebbe Lazar Shach, who would study Chumash and particularly one part of the Chumash, and that's the part of the Chumash which is the beginning of the Chumash. Parshas Bereshis, and specifically the first parak in Parshas Bereshis, which speaks about creation. Because when a person is able to really study that parsha well and read it as a young child would, instilled with faith and belief in everything that is written in the parsha of Bereshis, so then that itself gives a person a, should give a person chizuk and emuna. I think all of the stories of Sefer Bereshis also uh, gives a person a lot of emunah. If we're learning these parshias, uh, describing the Avis and all they went through and the challenges and the way they overcame those challenges, uh, and you're learning them properly with Rashi and the Mefarshim, that would also go a far way in, uh, in making sure that our emunah is strong. Uh, because we know where we come from. We know what you know, what greatness we have in it within. We have the same DNA as Avram Avinu, as Yitzchak, as Yaakov. That means that we're great people. And it's just a matter of us revealing that greatness throughout our life. But we start on the top of a mountain. We start with greatness. And now it's just a matter of, uh, of going through life and trying to always answer the call that we have. Reb Chaim has a sefer called Ruach Chaim on Perkriyavis. And in that Sefer, he writes on the Mishnah Avis that says that Asara Nisim Nisnasu Avesenu, that there were ten trials that our forefathers were put through, that Avram Avinu was put through. And he says, Why is it Avram Avinu? The reason why the Mishnah says he's our father is to teach us that 
all of those ten trials that Avraham Avinu went through all help us. If you're wondering, like, okay, it's interesting that there was a great man that lived, you know, many thousands of years ago that, uh, you know, had challenges, ten challenges, and they all, and he passed them all. That's great. What does that do for me and you? So Chaim Velazhner says it does a lot because all of the challenges that we find that they were so great in, that the Avis, and specifically Avraham Avinu, it wasn't easy for Avraham Avinu to do any of those, to pass those tests. It didn't come like easy. He worked very hard on being able to listen to Hashem and, 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 and bring his son as an offering to God and, and leave his homeland. And all the ten Nisyanis, they were very difficult for him. But he did it. He worked hard and he did it. And because he did it, he sort of made it easy for all of his children. The Lashna of Reb Chaim Lashna is that they are Keteva Mutva Banu. Those great accomplishments that Avraham Avinu did make it almost second nature to us. If we just try a little bit, we're able to tap into the greatness of Avraham Avinu. So when we learn about Avraham Avinu, it's not just, wow, it's, it's cool stories but it's actually very, very personal because if we find that Ram Avinu was able to sacrifice a great deal for Hashem, that means that with a little bit of work, we can also. Chaim Lajner says, if you wonder why it was so easy for people to just throughout history pick themselves up and make Aliyah, leaving a very comfortable lifestyle, even today, right, till, till this very day, there's nefesh benefesh, plain loads of Jews, are leaving the comforts of Europe and America in order to go to Israel, which is a you know relatively it's a good country. It's it's nice. It's beautiful, but it's not. You don't have necessarily all of the amenities that you know that you do here. But people do it. Why do they do it? Because they have in their genes from Abraham Avinu, from the challenge of Lech Lecha, you go pick yourself up and go to Eretz Yisrael, a place that, you know, that, that he had to leave his father's home. He had to leave the place of his birth and, and just go because Hashem wanted him to. And so we have that in our genes also. That's why people are able to just move, pick up and move. I don't think many Italian Americans are, are picking themselves up and flying and, and, and settling in, in Italy. I don't know if there's an Efesh Benefesh to Italy for Italians. I don't think so. I don't think there's an Efesh Benefesh for Germans to go back to Germany. I think they're, they're living in America now and they're comfortable. They're happier. So, but why is it that we have this ability to leave? And, and Jews have a very good in America, or at least, you know, up until recently, it's, we've been very, very comfortable and relaxed. That, you know, how do we do it? The answer is because Avram Avinu did it. If Avram Avinu did it, Nisnasu Avram Avinu, he's our forefather, and we have in, in our genes the power that he had, the fortitude that he had, the courage, we have that also. I hope that we're never forced to you know, offer our, our, our children up on a Mizbeach, but we, there are other sacrifices that parents make for children all the time. It's not easy for our parents um, to uh, pay for uh, our, our Jewish education. Very expensive Jewish education. You know, day schools, high schools, college, it's a, it's a fortune. Okay, so hopefully there's scholarships and everything, but, but even with scholarships, it's still much more expensive to send your child to, to, a, to a yeshiva than it is to send your, college, your, your child to, 
to a local, to a public school for sure, and even a, you know, a, a regular, you know, go to Queens College. It's probably a quarter of the price, maybe less, than, than Lander College for them. But yet our parents send us here. Why? That's part of the sacrifice that we do to raise a child. Where do we have that from? How do, how do so many parents, how are they able to do that? It's a very big expense. They're able to do it because Avram Avinu was able to find it within him to bring his child on him as Be'ach, to sacrifice greatly for that child. And so we have the ability to sacrifice greatly for our children. It becomes, and we don't make a big deal of it. We have the ability to dial Kiddush Hashem, millions of people throughout history. Six million people dial Kiddush Hashem during the Holocaust. Uh, 1,400, 1,300 people dial Kiddush Hashem about two months ago. How did they have the ability to do that and say Shaman and, and the reason they did that because Avram Avinu, we have that in us to, Avram Avinu threw himself into our costume, was willing to, to go into the iron, uh, to, the, uh, to, the, to the fiery uh, ovens of our costume to dial Kiddush Hashem. And so we have all of that in our genes. So if you want to really try to tap into Amuna in Hashem, if you study Bereshis, you study anything, and you could study, you know, Kedushin, Masaros Kedushin, and if you learn it well enough, and you see the beauty, you see the brilliance, you should be able to feel Hashem in that Gemara. But specifically when you're learning Chumash, Seva Bereshis, the creation, and, and, all of the, um, and all of the stories of our forefathers, that is a, a bedrock of Amuna for us. This is a great picture. I was so happy when I found it. Um, it's a barrow with, if you notice, it has two spigots on it. Right? It's strange. Right? Why would a person put two spigots? You don't have a barrel as one. That's why it was cool that I was able to find this picture. Why do I need this picture? Because the Chavetz Chaim said a remarkable yisaid based on this concept of a barrel with two spigots. He says, does adding an extra spigot to a barrel increase the amount of wine inside. If I have a barrel, and the barrel contains, I don't know, 10 gallons, so do you think that adding another spigot to get the, to get the wine out from inside the barrel will make it suddenly become 20 gallons inside? No. What will you do? You'll speed up the, the, the rate of getting the wine out of the barrel, but you're not increasing, the, you're not doubling the amount of wine in the barrel just because you put another spigot on it, it just comes out fast, twice as fast. And the Chavetz Chaim used to use this as a mushal for how silly it is for people um, to devote too much time to a livelihood. Because we know, and we should be believing in it, that every year in Rosh Hashanah, the exact amount of money that we're supposed to be making is already stipulated by God to the penny. This is part of our amuna. There's exceptions that, like for example, what we spend on Shabbos, we spend on tuition, like we were just talking about before. Tuition, yep. Schar limud and and Shabbos v'yantif and one other thing. Can't remember offhand. No, I don't. What? I don't know if that was on the list. But there is one other thing I believe that I'm not thinking of. 
What? Tzedakah, maybe. Maybe giving tzedakah. That sounds right, right? How much you give to tzedakah. That, so those are things that you don't, that doesn't go into the cheshman. But the itzas of Shabbos Yantif, what you spend on Shabbos and Yantif, that gets deducted. So if, you, if you're supposed to make $100,000 a year, but you spend uh, an extra $30,000 a year on Shabbos, Yantif, tuition, whatever, so then that will, you'll end up making $130,000 or whatever you were supposed to plus that amount. Now, if we believe this, we have to believe it fully. So we have to do ishtadlis. No one's expecting to get paid that $100,000 by just lying on a couch all day. It's not going to happen. So you have to do ishtadlis. That's a given. You have to work. The question now is, how much work do you have to do? Should I take a job that I'm mamish going to be working, you know, uh, 16 hours a day? Or maybe I could take a job that I'll be working... I don't know, 10 hours a day. And, and which one should I do? The Chavetz Chaim said, if a person does too much ishtadlis, it's not a good thing. People, people are very proud sometimes. I'm, you know, working three jobs. I'm, you know, that's nothing to brag about. That's not necessarily the way it should be in life. And should, it should be that we have one job and we work a set amount of time and Hashem will use that as a way of getting us the money that we need. It might not always be from the job. Maybe sometimes uh, you know, a person will get it from some other way. A person will, I don't know, get a big gift from somebody, you know, or, some, or an inheritance. Somebody dies and all of a sudden you make a lot of money. Or um, you know, some other ways that people get money. You, win a, you buy a lottery ticket, you win a lottery, you win a, a Chinese auction. I don't know, there's other ways to get money. But, or maybe you'll get a big raise or you'll, I don't know. But... Whatever it is, Hashem will get you the money that you're supposed to, by hook or by crook. One way or another, you're going to get the money. All you're doing, says the Chavetz Chaim, by taking ten jobs, and which don't now you can't learn, now you can't daven, now you can't uh, be, you know, have a normal family life because you're so busy working. All you're doing, he says, is you're taking a spigot with that $100,000 worth of wine in it, let's say, and you add another spigot you take that barrel with one spigot, you say, no, that's not enough. I'm going to put another spigot on. Now it's coming out. Now it's coming out maybe faster. You're getting two paychecks instead of one. But in terms of the amount at the end of the year that you are left with, it's going to be the exact same amount. Now, this is very counterintuitive, right? Because it doesn't make sense. I mean, obviously, if I work two jobs then I'm going to make, you know, double the amount. Or I'm going to, right, I should be able to make it. But you don't know that. You're just assuming that because you're getting two paychecks. But you don't know how much Hashem had in mind for you to make in the first place. Meaning if we knew that Hashem had $100,000 in mind, and now I could sort of test that and see by working two jobs how much I'm going to be making, it's one thing. But it works really backwards. Like I only know what I, make, what I made last year at the end of the year when I add everything up. And that should be the exact amount that Hashem wants. All that you're doing by working more than you have to, and this doesn't mean to say that you should work like 10 minutes a day and think you're yaitzi. Like, yeah, it has to be an amount of time that under normal, ordinary circumstances, a person could make a parnasa from. But more than that, how much you're going to work all night, you're going to moonlight and, and do like crazy extra shifts and to make extra money and, and make yourself into a, you know, a run yourself ragged, the Chavetz Chaim says that's mamish adding an extra spigot to about you're not going to get more out. This is a very, you know, strong uh, test of our amuna because 
this is really a hard thing to do. I, I mean, I, you know, I want to make more money. I need to make more money. And, and, and I have one job. It's not, you know, it's not producing enough to cover all my expenses. So should I get another job? It's, you have to ask, you always have to ask a rabbi before you make these decisions. But this is basically what the Chavitz Chaim says. If you, uh, if you have no time to learn, to daven, you have to like, you know, run yourself ragged doing all of these uh, jobs, then there's something wrong. You might be working too hard and you might not have to be working too hard because it might have come to you with bitachen without doing all this. Now you're, you're getting that money because you worked double hard, but you didn't have to work double hard. You could have worked half as hard, learned daven, had a chavrusa, go to shirim, and lived a, nice, a nicer life without having to um, sacrifice so much. Let's see one more. If you have any questions on this, please feel free to ask. Okay, let's do one more. We did a lot of these already. I think after the break, we're going to do another safer. Okay. Um, okay. So this is something that the Marsha, the great Marsha, this is a, a painting that, of the Marsha. I don't know if it's exactly how you look, but it's based off of a painting that we have, um, a black and white uh, sort of uh, illustration of him. So this was based off of it. So um, the quote here is, Emuna is the heart of the spiritual body pumping life into all other mitzvahs. We know the Gemara in Makkis, at the end of Makkis, teaches us that there are 613 mitzvahs. If you're wondering... Where did you get the number 613? Okay, everyone's talking about 613. Where do you know that from? It's a Gemara at the end of Makkah, Sandav Chaf, Kimel Amabes, the Chaf Dalad, and Alpha says the Mesh Rabbeinu was given 613 mitzvahs. There are 248 positive mitzvahs, corresponding to the number of organs in a body. And Chabaka came and summarized them all in one. And he said, It's Tzadik Bemunasa Yechia. Tzadik lives through his Amunah. So the way the Marsha explains this is, that Amunah and Hashem is so fundamental that it is the summation of all the mitzvahs of the Torah. He says, faith to the heart, he likens faith to the heart of the spiritual body. Just as the 248 organs of the human body are energized by the heart, so are all the 248 positive mitzvahs corresponding to the number of organs infused with purpose and connection to the divine through Amunah. Okay, so... For example, whenever, when, if I do a mitzvah that involves a munah, the, the mitzvah that I chose to illustrate it is, is like a sign that says, Kan Shemrim Shemitah. If you ever go to Eretz Yisrael during a Shemitah year, you might have seen these signs. Uh, they're all over. As you drive from the airport to Yerushalayim, you see a lot of fields, and a lot of them have such signs that says, here we keep Shemitah. We observe Shemitah on these fields. Now, Shemitah is a, is a mitzvah, to keep Shemitah as a mitzvah, but what is really the, the essence of Shemitah is all about Amunah. Imagine being a farmer. Right? It's easy to talk about Amunah here sitting in America, but imagine if you own a farm and your wife and your children depend on the, uh, the, li- the, li- 
they get their parnasa, they get their livelihood from from your farm. Yeah, you have to you know plant, and I have to have a vineyard, and I have maybe planting oranges, and I sell those oranges, and I get money from that, and that's how I feed my family. But here the terrorist says every seven years you got to stop everything you're doing, just hang up your hat, hang up your your uh, whatever it is that your uniform of, of a farmer, and just go and learn in a base medish for a year. No farming this year. It's Shemitah. You think that's an easy mitzvah to accomplish? Imagine if I told a doctor uh, or I told a lawyer for one, one out of every seven years you got to take a sabbatical. You can't, you know, you got to quit your law firm and tell them that, you know, maybe you'll come back at the end of the year. And uh, what are the, you know, yeah, how do you do that? How does a doctor do that? A doctor, like, you know, he's been working in a hospital for many years. He's already, you know, he, he has seniority already. Now he has to take a sabbatical. He has to quit every seven years. Do you understand how difficult that is for a farmer? That's pure emuna. A farmer shows, and there's hundreds, maybe thousands of farmers in Eretz Israel every seven years. They have kan shem shemitah. This is not just a regular mitzvah. A mitzvah like shemitah is not a regular mitzvah. This is a mitzvah that's the heart of all mitzvahs because it animates all the other mitzvahs in the Torah. So putting on tefillin, I don't know if it's an act of emuna. It, it, every mitzvah has its own purpose, but... All the mitzvahs of Torah, tzitzis and tefillin and mezuzah and, and uh, you know, all these things are getting its power, getting energy from a mitzvah that's emunah. Emunah power, because why, why do I do tefillin? Why would I put these things on my, on my arm only because I believe in Hashem? So the, um, the mitzvahs of emunah, the mitzvah emunah is the heart of the spiritual body and it pumps life into all of the mitzvahs. So don't think that emunah is like a small thing. Emunah is really the main thing that we have in our life. Because without Emunah, you could be a person that, uh, that learns Torah all you want. If you don't believe in God, it's pretty much, not only is it worthless, it's like almost like an Avera. I, I remember so well, my Rebbe once told me, like in, uh, was, I think it was in 10th grade, that there were people in England, I don't know why I always remember the specifics of it, but like, I think it was in Liverpool, uh, city famous for a certain band that uh, that came from there, uh, but there were from there were there were there were there were Jews on Shabbos in Li- in the city of Liverpool, England, after the war, and they were smoking cigars while learning Gemara together in a park. <laughs> smoking a cigar on Shabbos while learning together Gemara. What's explain that to me? Right, this is very hard for us to understand. Because I'll, I'll tell you the, what happened. What happened was that they learned the Yeshiva before the war, and they love learning Gemara. Kaviyachal. Can you imagine that? They actually love learning Gemara. To the degree that after they lost their Amuna, I guess during the war or whatever, they, they, they went off the derech, and But yet, and they were smoking on Shabbos. They might have been learning Misecha Shabbos. But they were smoking a cigar, a pipe on Shabbos, while learning Gemara. So I ask you, is that, is that a chashva thing? Is that, oh, chashva, he's learning it. At least I'm not still learning it. No. What are you doing? You're learning without amuna. So it's basically just an intellectual gymnastics for you. It doesn't mean anything. It's not real. The only reason why everything that we do all day is real, why our davening is real and our tefillin are real and our, our tzedakah is real, is because we have amuna. Amuna animates everything that we do because we believe in God. I'm doing this because I believe in you, Hashem. I'm not doing this to impress anybody. I'm not doing it to waste anyone's time. I'm, I'm, I believe in you. 
my belief in Hashem is the most core thing that I have in everything that I do. Don't think, yeah, okay, shkayach. even without Amuna, I still learn, I still daven. No. If you don't have Amuna, Amuna you have to work on first. That's the bedrock of everything. Because if you don't have Amuna, then everything that you're doing in your life, you might have a beautiful family. There are people that get married and they, you know, and then they like don't have any Amuna, but they still, you know, they still stay married because it's culturally it's the right thing to do. You know, they want to, they like the, they like schmoozing and shul, they like the kiddush after shav, they don't believe. I know people like this. They have zero amun. If you ask them, do you believe in God? No. So why do you go to shul every Shabbos? Why are you taking your kids to yeshiva? Why? It's cultural. I just, you know, I became used to the system. I should start hanging out in Harlem. Like, well, where should I go? This is, this is my community. This is where I am. But I don't believe. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. A person has to be able to believe in Hashem. When a person believes in Hashem, then everything that... Um, everything else in his life has, has 